Welcome to the podcast, Global Mobility Unplugged, hosted by Equus Software. Join us as we speak with industry innovators to uncover new perspectives and unique approaches to the challenges facing global mobility teams today. Hello, and welcome to our new podcast hosted by Equus Software. I'm Lottie McCarthy, Product Marketing Manager at Equus, and I'll be your host this season. Today, we are welcoming Chris Blair to talk about embracing technology. Chris is formerly GM Senior Manager at Viva and now Head of Client Services at Expat Academy. Welcome, Chris. Hi, Lottie. Hi, and um, Chris, I know embracing technology is a topic that's very close to your heart. So can you tell us a bit about why you're so passionate about technology and then really how it changed your day-to-day when working in mobility? It's a funny question about how uh, passionate I am about technology. I wouldn't say I'm necessarily passionate about technology. I'm not a, a guy who befriends you know, artificial intelligence <laughs> or anything like that. Um, <laughs> I'm passionate about people. I'm actually passionate about um, seeing people grow, seeing people have uh, the best experience of life and, and their own development in general. Technology plays a huge part in that, a huge part right throughout our lives in terms of efficiencies or improvement of just life in general, you know, um, whether it be through our, our cars, our phones, um, the internet, the accessibility of the entire world, the globalization of the world. It's all driven by technology, but at the heart of it um, is people, as far as I'm concerned. So. I'm passionate about technology that makes connecting people and developing people like so much easier and so much better. So how did you see technology really improve your experience with global mobility? So kind of my journey with technology and Aviva's journey with technology started way before we even entered the SaaS solution to mobility issues. It actually started with Excel and Outlook and merge documents and formulas, learning formulas in Excel and kind of how do you build macros and how do you, what is it that we have available to us and how can you build efficiencies from that in order to save yourself 10 minutes, you know, here, 15 minutes there, make something a little bit more robustly compliant, remove a bit of the manual out, which gave the GM managers at Aviva, the head of GM there, a little bit more time or made a process less risk. There was less risk associated with the process. So I had quite a broad view of technology from quite an early stage. Mm -hmm. I didn't see it as, if you didn't have a a Simon Pro, as an example, being here with with you guys at Equus, um, you didn't have technology. Well, that's not true. We all use laptops. We all have mobile phones. We all drive cars with sat-nav and dab radios, digital radios, like the, the embracing the technology we all have, it was more about how you viewed it. I found at that time, and to a degree still, but at that time I found the global mobility's view of technology to be incredibly narrow mm-hmm. and, and down to a, a single solution rather than really embracing that. How do we just make our job easier? Yeah. What's the best way to do that? Mm-hmm. And that's where it really started for me. Uh, from there. Can you tell us a bit about that tipping point from when you went from the Excel processes and your internal kind of solutions that you built yourself into, okay, we're now looking at a software as a solution or an APRO, for example. You know, what, what was that decision-making process? So we did a, a piece of work prior to even the business case 
for April, we did a piece of work where we looked at the time spent by the GM team. So we looked at if we were to literally document every minute of our day, where is our time spent? Or what is it we spend our time on? Um, I think we recorded around about 3,000 hours of data across our entire team. And that provided us with insight as to where were the inefficiencies, where were the drains. And not surprisingly to, to most, most of your listeners and most people in the industry, it was on you know, writing assignment letters. It was on sending out standard templated emails. Yeah. It was on you know, um, creating cost estimates, the, yeah. the kind of standard stuff that always happened, mm-hmm. that generally always looked the same, um, generally, because there, there, you know, there are some exceptions. And it was from that that we started to look at it and go, well, well actually, there's, there's probably a better way of doing this rather than managing this through Excel and Word. Because um, even when you're using Excel or Word, or there's still a, a large degree of work that goes into it, maintaining tables for macro Word, Excel documents for cost estimates, all of that stuff. There's still an element of quite heavy investment. And so it was at that point after that data that, that we really started to explore the business case, so trying to work out how do we make this, it made sense to try and find some automation with very little input from our side, but it had to be a commercially sound one. It, 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 there had to be a business case behind it, mm-hmm. which said, this is a good idea to do, but it's not going to cost us an absolute fortune to do it. That There's still a value question. Mm-hmm. Was it more valuable to continue with this manual, slightly automated process through office tools as opposed to going a little bit more automation through like a SaaS solution like a Sound Pro? Yeah. So when you're thinking forward to successful implementation, yeah. how are you quantifying that at the beginning? So when you're putting together that business case and mm-hmm. thinking, right, I've counted my 3,000 hours, I know that we could save this much. How were you quantifying what would then you would later determine as a success? Yeah, we approached implementation quite, or, or what I understand to be slightly differently to maybe some of your other clients in that we didn't come with a really big list of everything we wanted at the end of implementation. Mm-hmm. We actually split it out. We said, right, okay, if we were to split this into three phases, what would be the out- output that we want? And then our only focus, once we did that, was phase one. Our only focus was, okay, whilst phase two might include vendor integration, and phase three might include integration with our HRIS um, workday at the time, that's great that it's on the plan, but the primary concern is what are we delivering in phase one? That That's the focus and the energy. And, and, and our phase one um, implementation goals were exactly what I've just said. It was the pure um, administrative efficiencies. So all of our focus was on assignment letters, cost estimates, checklists, and governance, compliance, tax auth lists. All that, that was where all of that focus in phase one went in order to deliver um, real-term benefits. So not theorised benefits that we never had anyway, but real, genuine, measurable benefits against that data that we had. We could easily say, well, okay, well, how, how, now how long does it take to create a letter? 
Mm. Well, actually, it's 30 seconds. Yeah. Okay, that's compared to the 15, 20 minutes we've recorded previously. How many letters do we do a year? X saving. That's incredibly tangible, real, mm. reportable. That was the kind of stuff that we focused all of our implementation mm. on in phase one. So you talked about clear time savings, you know, between kind of before uh, sort of implementing a solution and after. What are the other benefits that, that your team experienced, for example, with letters and you know, generating them through the system? Was there anything else that, that you found that was a benefit through the technology? I think one immediate benefit for us, um, just removing the manual to a degree. Again, it wasn't 100% all the time. Sometimes you would still have to go in and make slight tweaks to the letter, depending on the seniority of the individual or the benefits they were receiving. Some of the standard elements of it, like, as an example, the legal jurisdiction mm. that an assignment letter is going under, which is, which is always the same, you know, in, in Aviva's case. Something like that being automated just robustly makes your process so much stronger. And this came to a head before I left Aviva, in which we had a case where an old manual assignment letter didn't have this section fully completed and created a bit of a a bit of a, a challenge for Aviva to work mm. out how and where the legal jurisdiction of this assignment letter would be managed. Would it be managed in the host country, the home country? Because this little section of a letter was manually missed out by accident. Um, assignment Pro enabled Aviva to, to be much more robust in its, mm. just in its compliance and in its, its documenting. And also really simple things like um, the inclusion of DocuSign with letters. And trying previously to get a digital letter sent out and either getting a digital email back saying it's approved or a wet signature and the scanning doesn't exist anymore. Let's be honest. You know, we don't really have faxes and scanning anymore, do we? Removing the need for that and creating a DocuSign process where you click the link, you click the button and it was done. That, that didn't remove the challenges around letters getting stuck with directors or assignees having to sign it, that that still remained an issue. It, it's not silver bullet, which completely fixes all your problems, like people problems and, and people just not, not signing letters, but it removed as much of that kind of manualness out of the way. And, and DocuSign was just a great example of where we could, you know, an assignment wouldn't go ahead. It could not go ahead unless there was a signed letter. It just meant, you know, vendors couldn't be initiated. Data privacy was in place. All of that stuff that just is taken for granted at times in GM or not thought through in GM, that assignment pro just enabled that a bit more compared to those manual processes through Office, which you can't automate making sure someone signs a letter before you, mm. you know, do certain actions. So now Aviva's been live for quite some time. Obviously, you've moved into your new role at Expat Academy. But are there any ways that you can look back and think, you know, if that was an accurate way to determine whether it was successful by quantifying it in that way? Are there any kind of lessons learned now that they're implemented with <laughs> technology? You know where yeah. I'm going with this. I think global mobility teams, when they're looking at technology now, we did this really well, have to factor in the change in scope of the global mobility function. The global mobility function is no longer just an assignment and relocation function. It deals with remote workers. It deals with immigration cases on the whole. It may deal with short-term business visitors a lot more. Probably has to deal with a bit more compliance and yeah. tax. It has to do a bit more. And what we did really well was shift 
from the admin and efficiencies. And whilst we might not have done the other stuff on our roadmap, mm. we very quickly implemented on our own yeah. a remote working process in the yeah. system. And immigration, you know, Aviva's immigration numbers went up from on circa 30 to 40 a year to, I think we were projecting 130, 140 this year, yeah. immigration yeah. cases. And being able to shift them mm. into a silent pro so that um, Mel O'Hara, who's the head of global mobility at Aviva, was able to see a full picture of the function, not just its traditional relocation and assignment. I think we did that really well as in how we adapted to that yeah. change in scope. And so I think teams who might be considering technology or just thinking through automation need to shift their thinking away from how do we make relocation and assignment easier and look at that entire scope of the GM mm. function now and what are we really being asked to mm. do and how do we use technology across all of that? Yeah. How critical was it that you and your team were able to embrace technology in that way? Because it sounds like, you know, you had a couple of hiccups once you'd gone live because you didn't have that practical, real life sort of practice because of the pandemic. And then, you know, you're quite reactive then in, in terms of creating the immigration policy. So how did you go about instilling that kind of confidence in your team? Bring it back to, I think before you, we can talk about how you instill the confidence, you have to come back to why. Mm. It's not about how, it's why you're trying to instill the confidence in the team in terms of technology. Come back to commerciality. So regardless of how much we want really wonderful technology, um, there is a commerciality to the decisions that we make. So from our perspective, having a team that truly wanted technology to work and understand it and be able to build it made sense for us because you could get it done. We didn't have to rely on yourself as client solutions and say, can you do this for us or how do we do it? We could do it ourselves mm. in our own time. But equally, without giving too many secrets away, but it makes commercial sense. If we can do the little things well, if we can build the reports, if we can build the policies ourselves, if we know enough about the system and how it works in order to develop the system as we see fit, it makes commercial sense because then when we really need Equus's help from a consultancy perspective, we come and ask. Yeah. But we're not asking for Equus to tell us how we how we make a page visible. Yeah. How do we make a field visible? We're not wasting our time and your time. We're trying to understand the basics of the system. We're using on our own knowledge that we've developed through Equus Learn and the courses there mm -hmm. or through the help desk or just through conversations or just trying to break the system, you know, trying to do it. That just enabled the team um, to do that. So the why was really a commercial reason as opposed to a, a real kind of, I don't know, philosophical reason. <laughs> it wasn't some kind of, so that we can really embrace and understand technology. Yeah. It wasn't that. Mm -hmm. It was a pure commercial kind of, it, it costs us less, you know, it costs us less and gives us more value if we understand it. And I think the problem with teams adopting technology in GM is they lose that element of control that they have in Excel spreadsheets that they manually type in or they manually create a letter and they struggle to understand the value. Mm. So because they lose that element of control and they don't understand how that works, they distrust it. They can't control it. And I don't know how you put United Kingdom into that letter. Yeah. And therefore you may put France. You may do something wrong because I, I don't understand it yeah. and I've lost control. And to be honest, 
I don't even see any value because I can just create a letter anyway. So I think our team was no different. You know, we, it took us a while to get rid of spreadsheets. We dual reported on a manual report and an April report for about six months, I want to say, before we could give confidence to the team that the data was exactly the same. Yeah. And if anything, when the data was wrong, it was because the manual one was wrong. Right. So yeah. until we were able to demonstrate the value and give them confidence that the technology was doing what it should do, only then did they start to embrace it. So with particularly your Club 100 clients, are you finding that when you're having those conversations about technology, whether it's taking data out of systems to then drive DEI or ESG, that there are some misconceptions around technology and what it can actually do for them in those sorts of areas? My new role with Expert Academy is head of client services specifically for their Club 100 network. I think with my particular um, members at the moment, the Club 100, the companies that have less than 100 moves a year, the biggest misconception is that technology is not valuable at times. That's the biggest misconception in that they assume because their population is small mm. that the likes of Assignment Pro or Assignment Management or any cloud-based kind of software. It's just not really that beneficial to us, so we'll just use Excel. And we're happy with the manual. We're happy carrying carry on with that. I think that's probably one of the biggest misconceptions is that mm-hmm. you need to have a huge program to really embrace technology. And I think the other thing is, like I said earlier on, is that this misconception that when we talk about technology, we're, we're talking about a software as a solution website. Um, based on a cloud-based mm. platform like like Assigner Pro. Technology should be any tool that you have available to make your job more efficient yeah. and put your focus, because that's the key yeah. here. The key is not technology for technology's sake. The key is technology to drive out the, what I like to call non-value ad work. So yeah. it's work that is just, we used to call it waste in a view. It's not that it's not, it doesn't have a role. It does have a role, you know, and getting someone's letter signed has a role, but it's not value add. It's just something that has to happen. Moving that to an automated space so I'm not wasting my time over there so that I can do the value bit. And I think get one of my challenges, I guess, with the network will be to try and encourage my kind of people I work with, my our members and, and clients to to embrace technology from a to put your people first perspective, whatever their technology be, and challenge our thinking. Let's think fresh about this stuff. It's a a very different world in 2022 to what it was pre-pandemic with all the geopolitical cost challenges that we have, and still, believe it or not, a pandemic that is still not going away in terms of COVID and the challenges that presents. So we've got to be dialoguing and debating and and working out new ways to do this. Perfect. Thanks so much, Chris. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Global Mobility Unplugged, hosted by Equus Software, the leader in global mobility technology. For more insights, subscribe to this podcast or visit us at www.equisoft.com. 